Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Andy Wolf, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Glenn and Ryan. And uh, we are three ordinary pastors from different generations talking about life and ministry. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, guys, today I have maybe an odd question for you to think about, but be able to maybe tell a little bit of stories on yourself. Um, we all have had uh, rough and tumble kind of childhoods and done different things. And uh, your body bears the marks of that childhood, right? Whether you uh, played, maybe played ball or a sport, or maybe you just climbed trees. Um, I want you to tell me one of the stories you have uh, about a scar somewhere on your person. Um, we all have emotional scars. We can talk about that a different <laughs> time and a different way, but I'm talking about physical scars today. So uh, what, uh, tell, me, tell me a story about uh, something on you uh, some scar on you and how you got it. I'll go first because I have a lot to choose from. I heard that chicks dig scars and I took that as a challenge that the only way I was going to get a chick is if I had scars. Uh, the one that comes to mind is I have a, a scar probably about six to eight inches down the side of my leg. It kind of looks like I had knee surgery, but it's in the wrong spot. It's off to the side of my leg. And it's because as a, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 year old, I was playing in this old barn that my parents had on their property. And before they bought it, the previous owners piled up a bunch of old windows, single paned windows in there. And I'm talking like a bunch, like hundreds. And so I was crawling on top of all of all of these windows at some point, And I stepped onto one of the panes and that meant I stepped into like 10 Ooh. and um, my leg went all the way through the, the uh, broken glass and somewhere along in there got cut pretty deep um and wide and so i didn't even go to the doctor and it was like i didn't have to have stitches but it was it was such that it i don't have hair on that spot to this day and as i said it looks like a knee surgery scar but it's kind of on the side of my leg cool mm. hey oh man yeah and my I, wife doesn't appreciate it I, that whole thing about chick my wife does not care i got it and it does she's like whatever well, I know I've shared this one in the past, so I don't want to go over it. Uh, spend too much time, but I was just, you know, sixth grade showing off for a girl riding on my bike uh, with no hands, fell, just cut up, open my knee, and still have a scar there. And uh, yeah, like you, Ryan, didn't do anything with the girl. It was just like you stupid idiot. Um, uh, we did tree forts. We built tree forts, and I have mm. so many. I've had to have. I've had so many nails that I've stepped on. Uh, that had to go in and get the tetanus shots for. I mean, it's like, yeah, anyway, holy feet is what I have. And then the, the, the really the only other third one I have is appendicitis in the eighth grade. Just uh, excruciating pain. Um, got me to the doctor just in time for him to take it out. And as he was taking it from my body to the pan, it it blew up or it it, uh, it broke so i just missed having a, an even worse situation there so wow those are the the few that few things that came to my mind for me well for me i i've got several but the one that uh, I, I think about with uh, something like this was um actually not really easily seen um it's only seen by the people that cut my hair uh because i have multiple cowlicks on my head and one of them was because uh one time after piano lessons uh, I was out in the yard playing with uh, the the daughter of uh, the piano teacher, and they had a swing set. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember old school swing sets, but uh, the old school swing, swing sets would have like multiple single swings. And then they, they would have the seated swing with like you faced each other and somebody pushed you back and forth. 
And we thought it was like a really cool, fun thing to take that one and swing it out and run underneath it. Mm -hmm. Which is super awesome unless you're not fast enough. And so I pushed that thing out. I ran underneath it and got clocked by it. And of course, you know, it's this uh, old school metal swing set. Oh. And it sliced open my head. And uh, I, it was clean, clean enough and fast enough that I didn't, it wasn't super painful. Um, but I kind of reached up and found blood on my hand. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a head wound, but they are bleeding. bleed like crazy. Yeah. And so uh, I kind of walked into the, uh, to the piano teacher and I haven't seen somebody freak out quite that much in a really long time. And since, <laughs> and, uh, uh, that she was calling my parents. I, I have a feeling she was probably not too far away from calling the uh, nine one one, um, at that moment. But, uh, I ended up getting several stitches in my head, uh, to close that one up. So always, uh, always fun as a kid, right? Yeah. Well, the reason I bring that up today, guys, is I, I want to talk a little bit about scars. And I'm not necessarily talking about those physical scars, but I'm talking, am talking about those, you know, maybe spiritual or emotional scars, especially as leaders and pastors. Um, I've, I've heard it said that uh, a pastor cannot be a good pastor unless he has some scars. And um, I, I'd like to kind of process that idea with you guys to, to think, hey, First of all, is that true? Do you think can, someone can be a, a good pastor um, of a church without some of those scars? And uh, if not, why, you know, we believe that God is sovereign, that he plans our purposes and our steps, and um, we, we seek to lead after and like him. And so why is that the path to becoming a good pastor? So let me open with that question. What do you guys think? Do you think somebody can be a a good pastor without scars? I don't think there is a person <laughs> or a pastor that doesn't have scars. Uh, but whether he is transparent enough to, to share that or aware enough to see it uh, might be something else. Um, initial thought I had is I, I get, uh, because I have um spent time in urban ministry in my years the uh it was important to live in the urban environment that uh, that I served in uh especially and and then for the reasons that you would think that proximity that just being their problems or my problems their mm -hmm. their blessings and gifts of living in that area are my blessings and gifts and 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 you just get to relate that way if someone was living in the suburbs uh, or exurbia, and then came in, uh, ministered, or, or met with the people and left. Would they be effective? They could be to a degree, but to the degree that they live there in proximity, they become more effective. So I see it as that. I say that the more a person is aware of their of their limps, uh, and uh, and can then empathize and kind of live with others that are going through a similar kinds of travails, I would think would make them more empathetic and more uh, more effective in their ministry to the, uh, those people. Yeah, I'm with Glenn. I'm, I'm, my silence was that same thing as I don't think um, there is a person that uh, and pastor that can avoid those scars. I think it's part of the human condition. 
Um, I would say that to go to the question of can a pastor, let's assume for a moment that that person exists, the person that doesn't have scars, could they be a pastor? Um, I would say the important part was not whether they have scars, but whether they recognize the scars in other people, whether they recognize the brokenness of other people. Um, I'm trying to, I was trying to, to look it up in the moments that when Glenn was talking, but I believe it's Hebrews 7, 8 or 9, somewhere in there. Um, was talking about Christ as the high priest. He's able to sympathize with our weakness. Mm. Um, scars are a result of the human condition, but are not a result of this, of necessarily the sin inside of us. Christ had scars in the sense that he, ha- he dealt with the brokenness of this world. Um, and being a good pastor really comes down to how do you deal with that? How can you, how can you, for us, we have to do with how do, how do I deal with that myself, the self and in, induced scars that I have on my own soul and I have on the souls of others. But then even more importantly, it's how do you, how do I view that, um, that, that brokenness, those pain points in other people. Um, and if a pastor is truly going to say, I don't have any scars, my answer to that is just wait a minute. They're coming. Um, because again, we're called to minister to people who are sinners. And so sinners hurt each other, unfortunately. Um, and this world because of sin is a, is a dangerous place, unfortunately. And so it's a, it's just a, an unfortunate, but, um, consistent part of the human condition. Yeah. It seems like there's a a continuum, isn't there? I mean, you have uh, what I would call from the Pollyannas to the pose, right? You've got on one side, I think even in Christianity, you have Pollyannas who always, always are looking on the bright side. Maybe it's their disposition or maybe it's just kind of their naivete that Mm -hmm. they see all those bright sides. And then you have the pose you know, the Edgar Allan Poe's, everything is is dark and, you know, a, a raven is always sitting outside your door. Um, and, and I wonder in pastoral ministries, is it striking that middle where we have a, a sense of reality that we see those things? Um, or is it is it maybe on one side or the other? And is that a is a function of the history and the background and the personality that you have. Um, I mean, I, I think the longer that I live in this world, the more that I am aware of the depravity and the darkness of this world. Um, and some of that is just based on how I grew up. You know, I was able to be in certain places and environments where difficulties and darknesses were there, but they didn't necessarily touch me as deeply as they do other people. Um, but at the same time, I would say my disposition is probably more towards the, the darker side of things. Um, so what, what do you guys think? And that is, do you think that's an accurate description or you think that needs to be somehow supplemented? I think the Lord uses all personalities at a time. I, I think if the individual who's more of the Pollyanna is unwilling to listen to the individuals who's more of the Poe, that's when the the issues the issues happen when there's not a balance. And even acknowledging one person might be more optimistic than another, one person might be more pessimistic. Um, because if somebody, let's say a, a pastor who has suffered greatly personally and he so he carries a lot of scars and maybe has a, a trouble trusting people or maybe you know just his his 
his disposition is is one that okay i've been hurt and therefore he's hunkered down if he can't acknowledge but other people might not have had to live with the same issues and not had to go through the same trauma and don't have the same scars and realize that he's not he doesn't set the tone or they don't set the tone mm. i think that's when you can have a problem and the same time it's if the person who is very poly and i've got a couple of those people in my life and they don't have the capacity to handle true suffering or i should say they haven't had to deal with it themselves so when they get around it they get awkward because it's so foreign to them um and there's a side where they've just got to learn okay i have to, i have to lean upon somebody else who has who's gone with that so um yeah i don't think it's as easy as one what it's it maybe necessarily striking a balance but using the community of the saints to strike the balance hmm. yeah i think striking that balance is what's important what you're both saying and uh, again that awareness of where we're coming from before before I came to Christ, I was more despairing, always wanted something more that I couldn't have and trying to find it and, and so forth and so on. Uh, then in coming to Christ, because of the grace, the love, the freedom and, and, uh, and everything that I experienced, as I became more Pollyanna, I think at that point, and I think but this life experience that has come up and, and slapped me in the back of the head and, and worse, you know, after that, has uh, brought that balance back. But yeah, even though I, I, I know where I'm going in the future and I know whom I have residing within me, I still have to live this life and it's tough and it, it has its moments and, uh, and, and I need that. So, you know, I think our, our common identity is we are all sinners in need of a savior. Um, and it's the idea that uh, I don't want to forget where I came from. Uh, I don't want to forget who saved me from that. And realizing that every day I wake up with uh, with needing to be saved from something else because I'm still a sinner, and I'm still, as you said, uh, in an earlier an earlier time, Ryan, we we live with sinners and, and we rub each other, and it doesn't always rub well. So, um, but then in in those moments, we need the Savior too. So just reminding each other that yes, God loves us. We're sinners. He redeemed. He gave us Christ to, and, and brought us redemption or or salvation from that. And, and every day is living that cycle. And if I'm not aware of that and I'm living in just one aspect of that, then I'm missing opportunities to relate to people who need it all like I, like I do. Mm. What I do just you appreciate think? the, go sorry. ahead. I, I just appreciate the balance that Paul takes with this discussion of, um, if I could just read some scripture for, for a minute, this is second Corinthians four. Um, and I appreciate Paul's, recognition of the weakness in the human frame and at, and at the same time pointing always pointing us to the power of god he says this in, in verse seven of chapter four but we have this treasure in jars of clay so think mm -hmm. like easily broken to show that the surpassing power belongs to god and not to us and this this next section he recognizes the pain and the scars in us all we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body of death of always carrying in the body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be manifested in our body and then if we jump down to the end of that chapter i love this description for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison and just the like just thinking about this 
we the, the recognition of scars at all humanity can all humanity recognizes that something is wrong the the craziness is that the world has rejected god and sin and so there's no hope and we you know it's true despair because they have no true answer for it that you know glenn that 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 hopeful reality that we have is because we we are offering we are, we're messengers of hope and not despair that some somebody has come to reconcile our greatest need and he is returning again to make all things new not only spiritually that he's already done but physically and just that hope well, you can look at that person who's going through just the worst i mean andy you quoted last podcast um from um the english reformers ridley scott and and vladimir that guy and like the, the, he's they're, they're being burned and they're being burned with this hope because it's we know that we might die here and i mean talk about the physical scars of that one uh but we're going to wake up on the other side of glory and tr and know and trust that christ is is returning sorry sermon over pastor sometimes got to <laughs> preach mic, mic drop actually <laughs> I was th that that passage of my light momentary affliction always to me is contrasted against what he says in Second Corinthians, where he goes on this list of talking about his experience versus the super apostles and how many times he had been shipwrecked and how oh many, yeah, um, yeah. Eaten and and I was like, this is the definition of light momentary affliction, you know. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's always a you know, uh, that's always a good corrective for me. What, what do you guys, I mean, I, I think about helping the next generation um, and, and thinking about this. Uh, I think we often, uh, we're, all of us are seasoned pastors enough that we look at those that are coming after us and we see the, the hope and the, the excitement and the kind of go conquer the world type mentality in their eyes. And I think there's at least a part of me that kind of stops and pats them on the head and just says, just wait. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's things coming that you can't see yet. And there's, you know, swings that you're going to run into and split your head open on that you don't even know exist. Um, do you think that, am I being too pessimistic or how, how do we think and help that next generation as they, they kind of mature in pastoral ministries and are, are going to get those scars. Uh, be there, be there with the, with, with the water, the antiseptic and the, and the bandages, because you know, it's going to come and just uh, to me, just coming alongside. Cause that same, that same uh, eagerness, youthfulness, whatever is what took me into places that if I'd known now where I was going, what I was getting into, I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I needed to get there. I mean, there it was. It was. It was good reason for me to go to those places. But 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 who I was then was what got me there. Who I am now, probably wouldn't have. Uh, so yeah, just being alongside, picking them up because I had those that picked me up and, and helped me at the same time. But would I trade those scars that I got from that and the lessons learned, the experiences offered, and and the the relationships that I so enjoyed to today, uh, man, I'll, I'll take those scars. I think that's the important thing to like recognize. And I, I just, this question, it's, um, it's interesting to me as I'm looking at our screen and seeing these videos of how the three of us kind of embody this process where I'm the young and dumb one that don't, that doesn't understand the full pain that's ahead of me. 
Andy, you're probably in the midst of it. Glenn, you're on the other side of it going, it's worth it and you'll live. And just the, the, I think the worst thing that pastors can do sticking with just that, um, context is to suffer alone because if we didn't have this, I'm walking in blind and I know that, but when I get to those trouble spots, I'm not going to have somebody there that goes, yep, welcome to the club. And then Glenn, you've learned all of these lessons because you've been there. And if you hold on to those and aren't going to look back at, at the younger people like Andy and I and say, you'll make it through and it's worth it. Then in the midst of that pain, it's, <laughs> we, we, we lead to despair, <laughs> but just, our pain doesn't lead to despair. It leads to hope that it's, it's worth it. Um, so I think this is where it's, you need that, you know, we're, we're, we're never designed to suffer alone and we're not supposed to suffer alone, but we might have to suffer. I'd change that. We will have to suffer. Okay. Let's put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like so much of understanding those things is more in the rear view mirror of our life than it is in the windshield of our life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see those things that are in front of us, we drive into them and oftentimes we don't understand, you know, or, or even can conceive of how this is going to work. Um, but it, it, it isn't until we kind of look in the rearview mirror and go like, Oh, okay. You know, I think of one experience that I, I would chalk up and Ryan and I were talking about this, uh, a few days ago. One, probably one of the most painful at that moment, one of the most painful ministry moments for me. Um, I was in a position, kind of had all my life in front of me, all the, uh, my life was charted and I knew exactly the direction that I wanted to go. And I was in the, in this internship and I was there for a year. And then they came to me and said, we're not renewing your internship. It was devastating. I, I, I I frankly was caught flat-footed. I didn't know what I was going to do, how things were going to work themselves out. I look back on that, and I, I am so grateful to God that He used that in that moment to redirect me to some spots that I needed to go, took me some places that I was going to need to learn some lessons that I was not going to learn where I was. Um, and that could God have done it differently? Sure. But I don't know that that would have happened for me, um, and I would be a very different pastor, leader than I am in this moment. Um, but that's so hard to see in the windshield. Uh, it's so much easier to see in the rearview mirror um, of our life. Yeah. You know they're coming. We just don't know when or where or what it's going to mean. You guys have stirred up a memory, a fun memory now as I look back on it. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, spent 15 years in, in urban ministry. Central City, New Orleans was uh, uh, in the Melpomene uh, project right near the, uh, the Superdome down there. We were playing football in the courtyard. Courtyard had more glass than grass. And uh, we were just, uh, you know, slinging the ball back and forth and so forth. And I got tangled up with somebody, fell to the ground, ripped my knee open, another scar matching the one from falling off the bike. And, uh, and Peanut, who was one of the more... Uh, street cred guys uh, there in the project came up to me and said, well, coach, you're officially one of us now. 
And I remember, uh, you know, kind of being in pain on the one hand, but just uh, him coming up and saying that uh, just kind of gave me the, the hope of, of uh, yeah, this is what I've been wanting, just to be able to have this relationship and to have this kind of life with these guys. And if it takes me getting ri- ripping open the knee and, and, and bleeding to, to help show that investment, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. What an amazing picture, you know, even as we try to come alongside other pastors, right? Um, when they get that bloodied knee, that's right. hopefully we can stick our arm around and go, well, you're one of us um, now more than ever. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to see us constantly run from pain and think that all pain is bad. Um, I was just having this conversation with somebody yesterday of, of the difference between um, hurt and harm. And, uh, it's so easy for me to equate that if I do something that quote unquote hurts somebody or even hurts myself or make it and makes a decision that's going to be painful, um, again, for myself or somebody else that it's wrong. And yet there's so many illustrations in life. I think the easiest to, to use is, um, physical training that you at times have to go through painful moments in order to strengthen yourself and to strengthen somebody else. And, um, just because something hurts doesn't mean that you're necessarily being harmed. Mm. Um, and I think that that's the same thing with, with pastoral ministry. And we don't, um, I think far too many people don't make the right decision because they don't want to go through the necessary pain because they're afraid that it's going to cause harm when actually, unfortunately, because of sin, and that's who gets the blame there. And we can all be mad at that, but, uh, that's the necessary thing to, to cause discomfort maybe in ourselves and somebody in our church, because that's what's needed in the moment. Hmm. Well, the final thing I'd say is I think part of the reason ministry involves pain is because we follow a savior Hmm. who Mm -hmm. that, that was his way, right? That's right. I Mm -hmm. mean, it, it, it was a way of difficulty and a way of suffering. Um, we don't seek to put that on ourselves. Um, or produce that in ourselves, but you know we follow a master who was crucified, um, and so we are not above our master, and that is going to be the direction of our life. Um, hopefully, it's crucifying our our sin and uh, crucifying our own selfish and fleshly desires. Um, but if we're going to follow Him, that's that's the direction that it's going to go. Um, and so uh, I would say to you, if you're listening, be encouraged. If you're in the midst of that difficulty. Um, know that God loves you and uh, he's actually doing these things for your good. Um, and he, he wants to work in you and hopefully you have somebody that you can walk alongside. If you don't, man, we would love to, to encourage you. And uh, if there's a way that we could, we could do that, please reach out to us. And, uh, we would count it as a privilege to, uh, to, you know, put an arm around you and say, Hey, you're, you're one of us, um, because you got this bloody knee. Um, and you know, how can we help encourage you in this moment? So thanks for listening. Um, this has been the comparing notes podcast. Uh, I hope that you have been encouraged and pointed towards Christ and I hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you for listening to the comparing notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparing notes at gmail.com.